Johnny Gamow, right in, scores! It's a high five for Patrick Wanney. Watch the band. What a goal by Connor McDavid. Oh my goodness. What a luminescent night for Austin Matthews. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of Flood the Ice. I'm your host, Alex Flood. Man, listening to a little Tragically Hip tune honestly always gets me in the mood to talk about hockey. That is for sure. I also want to thank Rogers Sportsnet for providing those voiceovers you just heard. The NHL has no return date yet. We know they want to go forth with the 2014 playoff format, as mentioned in the previous episode. But the NBA is planning a Board of Governors vote on Thursday that is expected that there will be a unanimous decision to vote on a return date around the end of July or early August to send all of its basketball players to Disney World in Orlando. The NBA, of course, is still deciding on their format of how their playoffs would run, so the NHL is a step ahead in that regard if we're talking about format, but the NBA is coming out with intentions to be back on the court in two months today. The NBA has opened a portion of their training facilities to certain teams to begin practice ahead of this hopeful decision. In the past few weeks, the NHL is behind a bit in this They're hoping to begin opening their facilities in the coming days, early June, mid-June, maybe, ahead of their movement into Phase 2. So they're a little behind the NBA when it comes to opening back up these buildings so players can get in there for one-on-one training with their coaches and assistant coaches. But what I want to say is the NHL shouldn't prioritize targeting a return date like July 31st as the NBA is. Priority number one right now has to obviously be the safety of all players, and I think that means designating the focus on setting up the safest means possible and getting these players back into training. These players have gone so long without even getting to be immersed in the sport, let alone getting to go to these facilities, getting used to practicing safe COVID laws when it comes to entering and leaving the building. There's a lot of protocols they're going to have to follow. The NBA players are already getting ahead on that. So the NHL players are going to have a few barriers here and a few things to get used to. I just don't think it would be an appropriate time right now for them to be prioritizing a return date. I think there's a lot of steps that need to happen. And that starts with getting them back into training. I honestly do agree, though, the NHL does need to be pushing at least for the return of a season, just not discussing dates necessarily, and especially not trying to keep up with basketball when it comes to scheduling if it were to risk 
any interests that the NHL would have. You would hate to see the NHL go down in any way if they had to sacrifice to start earlier. You would never want to see that. You want them to start when it's going to be most appropriate for them, but you also want to see them return ASAP. And hopefully that comes around the time basketball is returning, or at least hoping to return, which appears to be end of July, early August. But I want to turn this now over to my guest, Dallas Dahlside. He is a great friend of mine and a broadcasting classmate. We are enjoying running shows together, and I'm super excited to have him on the podcast today. Dallas, how are you doing, buddy? Alex, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It's an absolute honor. I know these are very unusual times in the world right now, but anything to get back to normal and be able to talk sports and the return of hockey, the potential return of hockey, is something that I'm for sure going to enjoy myself doing. So once again, thanks for having me on uh, the podcast. Well, Dallas, I'm really, really glad to have you on the show. This is uh, a bit of a debate right now in in hockey on whether or not they should be aiming for a return around the same time as basketball. Again, July 31st, basketball wants to be back on the court playing games. Why do you think hockey should also prioritize targeting the same date as basketball? Yeah, so obviously both the NHL and NBA have some of the same similarities and then differences when it comes to a potential return. Uh, In my opinion, they should both start relatively at the same time for the main reason is that if one of the leagues feels that it's safe enough to start, that probably means that it's safe enough for the other leagues to start as well. Players are going to be in the dressing rooms next to each other, and they're going to have some kind of protocol that feels that it's safe enough for them, because that's what they've been saying. Uh, Health and safety is by far and foremost the number one thing that they value. So if one of the leagues feels like they can accomplish that, then I don't see why the other league wouldn't be able to do so. You're bringing up really, really good points. I (laughs) wouldn't go so far as to say it would sway my opinion quite, but you are absolutely raising stellar, stellar arguments. It's going to be, I think, interesting at least to see what the NHL decides to do. You can expect a decision probably in the coming weeks. You would have to imagine it can't be much longer. They already have the format established, so you would think one of the next things on their list to check off would be a return date. Hopefully, they'll be returning to training facilities in the coming days. They know that already as well. So a return date seems to be one of the next things that are probably going to need to be discussed, but I still think that there need to be a couple things done before that happens. But I also understand why that would be a reason for concern to try to get off the table now so that they have something to maybe work towards. Sticking with the NHL, I want to start talking about the NHL awards. Now that the league has officially decided to end the regular season, we do have a bit of a clearer picture as to how some of these NHL awards may be divided up, some of the nominees, but for some of them, it just seems way too close to call. And for me, the first one that comes to mind is the best rookie of the year. You have Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks and Kale McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche. They have both been stellar, stellar young defensemen for their respective squads. Both have been so important in respect to the production that both teams have managed, both on the defense and the offense. They are very offensive defensemen. You can find them anywhere on the ice. 
Both Hughes and Makar are so fun to watch, which makes this debate so much more fun to talk about. If I'm going to start this off, I do have to say I have to give my edge to Quinn Hughes of the Canucks. He's played, looks like, 11 more games than Makar this year. That's significant, I would say, in a season that's already been cut short. He's had 8 goals and 45 assists with 53 points across that time span. I think that's amazing for such a young defender in the league on a team that really wasn't expected to do much this season. We were mentioning a Vancouver team before the season had actually started that they were probably going to be one of the bottom and mid-season they were competing with the best. Hughes had 25 power play points and it is a huge reason why Vancouver has been so successful this season. And Hughes is a large part of that major, major influence on the power play. As I said before, you can find this kid anywhere on the ice. He's up and down. He's quick. Almost nobody in the game can catch him. You never know what he's going to do. He has very unique moves that nobody else in the league has. He's fun to watch on any night like both of these players are which is why it makes for such a great debate. But I honestly do have to say, I think overall Hughes is more of an asset to Vancouver than Makar would be to Colorado. Colorado already has well-established, stunning players in their lineup that can play shut down any night. Not to say Vancouver doesn't, but they have a more young upbringing where they are almost all amalgamating and learning together as a squad, whereas Colorado already has that homegrown talent, Vancouver is still building. We have to remember they are in a rebuilding process. They have missed the playoffs for four years before this season. It is huge that they're in right now, especially when they were not expected to be in. Colorado is already favored this year with or without McCarr, which is why I think it makes Hughes' story that much more impressive this year, and he's played more. It's not McCarr's fault he got injured. He played less games, but I think it's still impressive that Hughes was able to remain healthy, to remain strong, and to remain in the game as long as he did. But this is such a heated debate. Dallas, I have to ask you... Why do you think Makar should win the Calder Trophy? Well, first off, I'd just like to say it's been so much fun watching these two guys compete for their respective teams. I remember last year in the playoffs, Kale Makar made his NHL debut for Colorado when they were taking on Calgary and San Jose, and he stepped right in and made an immediate impact. I have a soft spot for Makar because he came out and played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and then chose the college route in his first year at the University of Denver. Makar was able to win the Hobie Baker Award for the best college hockey player overall so like he's just already taken such a huge leap in the college rankings and then stepped right up into the avalanche you made some excellent points like overall Colorado is is a much better team than Vancouver in terms of skill Vancouver though has impressed me a ton this year and especially Quinn Hughes I think McCarr gets just the slight edge I know you mentioned that he played 11 less games but he only had three less points than Quinn Hughes so a little bit more offensive power he had 12 goals 38 assists he was a plus 12 playing on a much 
much better team, I suppose, compared to Quinn Hughes's minus 10. Uh, look, they're both incredible players, and the fun part about this debate is that no matter what, both teams have really exciting players for the future, and we might be able to see these guys compete against one another for the next 10 to 15 years, which is really the most exciting part. Again, great points. It's so difficult to choose one. I don't know how the votes are going to turn up. It's going to be close. I know that for a fact. I'm pretty sure that's all that's guaranteed in this Calder Trophy race is that it will be close. Both players so important this year for their teams. We're going to be talking about these two defenders for the next decade. I know it. They're going to be in the Norris discussion for sure. They are so much fun to watch every single night and they are so similar when you were looking at the stats and the way they play. So much fun. And now I want to move on to the Vesna Trophy. The Vesna Trophy is awarded to the best goaltender of the year in the National Hockey League. And the two obvious favorites in this race and heavily debated favorites are Tuka Rask of the Boston Bruins and Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. Rask being on Boston, one of the top teams in the league, he played less games than Hellebuck. It appears 17 less games for that, so very significant. Hellebuck on the Jets, a team that barely squeaked in into the playoffs, a format that allows for 24 teams. It's a tough debate for sure. Rask edges out Hellebuck when you're looking at the individual stats. He has a lot less losses than Hellebuck. But if I had to choose a favorite here, I would go with Hellebuck. I'm probably in the minority. That is okay. But I have to say, Jets fans, you have lucked out with Hellebuck. I mean, he has so much experience this season. He's played so much. And when it comes to a a playoff run, potentially in the works for this upcoming format, They could maybe take out Calgary and go on a run here just with Hellebuck. Hellebuck is used to playing a lot, and he can play shut down goaltending any night. Jets fans have witnessed it. The league has witnessed it. We all know what Hellebuck is capable of here. He has solid stats and goals against average, save percentage, and shutouts. And for a team barely in the postseason, I mean, come on. Rask has stellar offense in front of him. Hellebuck has honestly not as great of a defense compared to most of the defense in this league. So it just says a lot about how talented Hellebuck actually has been this year. And I think he has been so much more important to the Jets than Rask has been to the Bruins. But this is where I want to ask you, Dallas, why do you think Rask should take this over Hellebuck? Yeah, like like he said, I completely understand your like argument towards Connor Hallebuck. Uh, he has so much more value on his team compared to what Rask brings for value to his team. Without Hallebuck, the Winnipeg Jets are in the draft lottery and not they wouldn't even be close to the twenty four team. Uh, playoff format. Hallebuck's played in 58 games compared to Rask's 41. And another thing is that the Bruins have another great goaltender in Yaroslav Halak, who has been a very good goaltender this year. His numbers are just about as good as Rask's and amazing for a backup. They've been blessed with really good goaltending in Boston. And the thing is with Tuka Rask is that I know he plays on a much better team and a much 
overall all-around team, but his numbers are still very much hard to ignore. He's won 26 games and just 41 games started, and he has a 2.12 goals against average and a 9.29 save percentage. Like, it's just insane. He also has five shutouts on the season, and, and that's almost a shutout in every eight games that he starts. Like, his his numbers are still so good, and the way that these guys, the, the, the people that vote on these awards they don't really look at it from a terms of value standpoint. They look at it at, okay, who's got the best number? And a lot of the times, the goalie that does win the award isn't the most deserving because they take the the goalie who is on the best team. And sometimes they don't factor into certain other standards that we would. But I, I think it's a really close race. And I know a lot of fans in the game want to see Hallebuck win it. And if he does, kudos to him because he's carried this Jets team. But then again, if I had to bet on it, I would take Rask to win the Vesno Award. And he's had a really good year and I can't hate on him too much. Well, you're raising very, very good points. And I do have to say I agree with most of them. And I know for and I know for certain Boston Bruins fans will agree with you. Most fans of the league for that matter, would probably agree with you. If I had to guess who would win, it would be Rask. But who I think deserves, I guess, is a different answer. But both goaltenders have been incredible for their teams and I think are going to be very significant in this postseason. I wish they could both win the Vesna, as I wish Hughes and Makar could both win. Can't wait to see who will but that pretty much wraps up the first half of our show. After the break, Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabres speaks out on the frustrations of losing in Buffalo. Plus, Dallas gives his winners and losers from all five Canadian playoff series and the passing of George Floyd and how this is currently influencing the NHL. Stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Alex Flood, with an update from around the world of sport. Although the vast majority of sports have fallen silent, athletes and organizations from around the globe have spoken out against the injustice of George Floyd's death last Monday. The 46-year-old African-American was wrongfully killed after a Minneapolis police officer knelt on his neck for over 10 minutes. The world of sport has released countless statements reminding its fans that diversity is what drives the game in our society. The NHL announced its plans yesterday to test all players for COVID-19 daily upon the commencement of the postseason. The majority of players appear on board as other leagues around the globe continue testing far less. A heavy price tag, though, as each test costs around $125. Estimates up to $35,000 will be needed to get through the 2020 postseason. Major League Soccer players voted for an approval yesterday to begin the league-wide tournament in Orlando this summer, while receiving cuts to their pay. Although the specifics of finances weren't released, this announcement comes ahead of Toronto FC's plans to begin small group sessions on Monday. The MLB Players Association made it clear yesterday they do not want to take any additional pay cuts ahead of the season's start. The players also proposed a return-to-play format that would witness a 114-game regular season running through October 31st. The plan, however, is expected to be dismissed by the MLB. 
This was an update from around the world of sport. Be sure to follow at Flood Nation Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more updates from hockey and around the globe. Now, back to Flood the Ice. I'm Alex Flood, back from the break. You were just listening to a general sports update from around the world. Dallas and I discussed whether the NHL should target the same return date as the NBA, and then we also debated a couple of the highly contested awards in the NHL right now. So to begin the second half of the show, I want to begin with Jack Eichel. He made a statement earlier this week basically being tired of losing. Buffalo Sabres head coach Ralph Kruger said Friday he is actually cool with the comments that came from Eichel regarding his frustration of losing. Eichel has competed in five seasons with the Sabres and has missed the playoffs all five times. And this continues a nine-year postseason drought in Buffalo. Some people are saying that the comments were a little uncalled for. Others are saying it's completely justified. Honestly, I have to say, this to me is totally fair. This is coming from someone that has had frustration after frustration with the Sabres squad that look to have so many positive parts of, I would say, pretty much every season. There were times where they seemed playoff ready. They seemed to have the establishment in force. They seemed to have the grit and they seemed to have the leadership. And when you're looking at someone like Jack Eichel, he is phenomenal against any team. He is so unique in his abilities and his leadership only continues to grow. And you would have to expect a team like the Sabres would be a team to be reckoned with down the road. But even with a 2014 playoff format, it just doesn't seem like the case for them this year either. So I honestly think it is appropriate for Eichel to be making a statement of being tired of losing. When it comes from leadership, like Eichel, it speaks volumes. It needed to be said. Despite being in the middle of a pandemic, hockey has been a part of the biggest headlines in sports solely because of this new 2014 playoff format. So I think it's completely appropriate for Eichel to be making these comments at a time where he just found out officially that he won't be making it back into the playoffs again. It's totally understandable to me. If anything, it's going to wake his team up when the next season comes, and this squad needs it. This is an organization that is desperate for the postseason. The fan base is scratching for it, and you can't blame them. Nine years, that hurts. And I know there are other teams that can relate to that, like the Oilers, for example. That's a long time to go through without seeing any postseason action. So they are going to want to be in that position again. But unfortunately for them, they won't be this season. And that is why Eichel appears to be so upset. So I want to turn to you, Dallas, now. Why do you think it may not be the best time for Eichel to be making these comments? Is it a bit inappropriate? I get it. I, I, I get where Eichel is coming from. It's been five years in the league and the Sabres have yet to get into the postseason. He's frustrated and he somewhat has a, a right to be. 
However, I just I think like he's he's the captain of the team now. He's a leader, and I th- I think now that he he's learned about this new twenty four team playoff format, and he still can't get into the playoffs. I get it, but there's just there's just certain things that you have to handle yourself as being a team leader and the team captain, especially in Buffalo. The the fans are growing impatient, but you know you you've got to look ahead to next year. You can't continue to mope around and complain and be a sore loser there's next season get get ready for next season be the best player that you can be control what you can control there is a bright future in buffalo and i know they've been saying that for so long but instead of looking back on the past they may as well look ahead to the future they weren't supposed to win the stanley cup this year they weren't really supposed to do anything and to to grow all frustrated like eichel is just kind of shows i think he's he feels i feel like he's a little bit in over his head and there's still a long way to go in Buffalo at first for Jack Eichel on the Sabres. Well, you raised interesting points. I didn't think of the couple things you mentioned there, especially close to the end. It's a hard time right now with COVID-19. You don't want to see athletes making negative comments and being in the headlines when there's already enough negative headlines in the news. But I take this more as a positive than a negative. This is going to help shape the team into what they need to be if they want to get into the postseason. And I hope for their sake, they're able to do just that. But for now, Eichel is going to have to to sit by and, and hope for a high pick in the draft lottery as the 24-team playoff format will eventually go forth. Now, Dallas, on the last episode, I had briefly mentioned the Canadian teams that are featured in five of the series in this play-in round of the postseason. Can you just take me in briefly into each of those series and pick a favorite and and tell me why you think that team would have the edge and and why you think they they would be a, a favorite to to visit one of the the top eight teams in the league? There are some really good play-in series that we're going to see in that first round, and it's going to be really exciting. I know we're not going to get to see Calgary and Edmonton face off in the Battle of Alberta. I know a couple people are a little upset, but hey, there's still some really good series to get into. Let's start in the East. We've got the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the Montreal Canadiens, and all of these series are best of five, so anything can happen. Pittsburgh is somewhat of a favorite here. The Canadiens were uh, out of a playoff spot in the traditional format by 15 points. I don't think they're going to get too much better uh, from now until then, although they do have Carey Price, an excellent goaltender. Um, he hasn't been uh, that stellar this season due to the fact that the team isn't that great. I think Pittsburgh is going to come out of the series ahead in either a clean sweep of the Habs or in a 3-1 series. But I wouldn't be surprised if Carey Price gets hot. And he only needs to get hot for one or two games. They get a hold of a 2-0 series lead and playing in a neutral site, anything is possible. But I'm leaning towards the Pittsburgh Penguins in that one. Moving on to another series in the East, the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets are a very interesting team in my eyes. They have great coaching in John Tortorella, and they've had really hot goaltending this year with Elvis Mers Lincolns. Uh, It's just been an an interesting year for Columbus after uh, everything that happened last year in the playoffs with Artemi Panarin leaving 
And the Leafs have also had an interesting year firing Mike Babcock earlier this season and then hiring Sheldon Keith. The Leafs have been hot some nights and then very shaky other times, but I think the Leafs are the overall better team. They have more offensive superstar power up front, and I think that's what's going to carry them over the top in this series. But then again, Columbus just has really good coaching, and I think if they can stick together through this entire year, Columbus can get hot at the right time. But I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh and Toronto, the two favorites, to move on into the traditional format in the next round. Uh, to the West, no, wow, Th this one, you guys might be a little surprised to hear this, but I think the Chicago Blackhawks are going to take down the Edmonton Oilers in very clean fashion. The Edmonton Oilers were a very fun team to watch because they had two very good players in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Well, the thing is, normally you need a team as an overall team to win a series like this, and having those two guys out out of like contention for the last three to four months, I just think that they're going to be a little slow out of the gate. They don't have a true proven goaltender. I, I think the Oilers are a little ways away from being uh, a top team in this league, although they're on the right track, and both superstars on their team have had good years. Now, the Blackhawks, they, they've lost more games than they've won this year, but look at their track record. They've got Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze. They, these guys have done it before. They're kind of like the San Francisco Giants in baseball, if there's any baseball fans listening to the podcast. They sneak into the playoffs, and they've had a lot of success over the last decade. The San Francisco Giants have won three World Series over the last 10 years. Meanwhile, the Chicago Blacks, Blackhawks have had a ton of success as well, and they've actually won a couple cups recently in the last decade too. So you can't count the Blackhawks out at all in this series. I think it's going to be the Blackhawks upsetting the Oilers in three or four games. The Vancouver Canucks taking on the Minnesota Wild. The Canucks are the slight favorites ahead of Minnesota. Minnesota just always seems to have problems in the playoffs for whatever reason it is. They normally never have a coach that can last longer than several years there. They always seem to have to make coaching changes, although I don't think their roster is anything special. They play in a very hard division in the central there, but the Canucks have, have been so bright this year and no one really saw it coming. It's been a long time since the Canucks had success and I wish them all the best in the playoffs. I think that overall experience though the Minnesota Wild are going to use their experience to take down the Canucks in a five game series. I think the Canucks are going to have a 2-1 series lead in this one. Minnesota is going to find the gas to hit and come back and win the series in five. But this one is going to be, it's one of the more underrated series, I think, because not a lot of people pay attention to the Minnesota Wild, but they're a decent team to watch. They're very keen on defense, and I think this is going to be a tight series, a ton of one-goal games. Now, this one is probably now, uh, in my eyes, the most appealing series in that first play-in round, the Calgary Flames taking on the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets are known for Connor Halibut, who've had that, who is having an insane year. Remember when Patrick Lane was the star of the show in Winnipeg? Well, he needs to find that, that same energy again and bring it because the Winnipeg Jets really need that offensive power to get through in this playoffs. The Calgary Flames last year are looking for revenge. Remember last year, they were the top team in the West going into the playoffs, and they lost out in five games to the Colorado Avalanche. They've won their first and then lost four straight to the wildcard Avalanche. Now the Avs were a good team, don't get me wrong, but I think there's a lot of people in Calgary that 
are familiar with how they felt last year and when they got knocked out in the playoffs and they're going to become they're going to be ready to go I think they're going to actually go on a run this year in this playoffs and I think it's going to be a clean sweep as well against Winnipeg although uh, I wouldn't be shocked if this one goes the distance because like I said it's just so hard to predict in these five game series because one game a swing of momentum happens and then you're you seem like you're playing for your playoff lives the rest of the way but yeah, just to wrap it up, I've got the Pittsburgh Penguins taking down the Habs. I've got the Toronto Maple Leafs beating Columbus, both favorites in the East. For my underdog picks, I'm taking the Chicago Blackhawks over the Oilers, the Minnesota Wild over the Vancouver Canucks, and then the Calgary Flames over the Winnipeg Jets. And in what is really, I think, a great format that the NHL decided to go with, and I'm really excited to see some of these play-in rounds to start off the playoffs. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on each of those series. You raised great ideas in each of them. They are all going to be so fun to watch. So much young talent in all of those series. It just seems like all of these young players have this young emerging talent just wanting to burst through. And a playoff format like this, I think, just asks for it even more. So I cannot wait until these teams get this type of exposure it's going to be so exciting but now i want to finish off the show today with george floyd protests continue across the united states following the death of george floyd the 46 year old african-american man who was killed after being pinned to the ground by a minneapolis police officer the officer was eventually charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter after multiple videos of the incident went viral. The event has left many questioning the current state of diversity across the United States and the globe, including San Jose Sharks left-winger Evander Kane, who is calling on everyone that is able to speak out and voice change. I think it's very important at a time like this when there is so much division when you're looking at the United States with their current state of politics, there are clearly two juxtaposed sides here. There's a lot of people that are losing faith in the police slash justice system in that country. And it's very, very difficult to watch. And a lot of that comes to just simply diversity. But I think it's incredibly important for athletes like Evander Kane to speak out against this sort of outrage Many people look to athletes for voices of reason, hope, inspiration, and this is one of those cases. The more influential people who publicly refute this insane idea that we are different because of the color of our skin, honestly, the better. We need more change in this continent and across the planet. Diversity is a good thing. We need it. It's good for everybody. And it brings positive change to a sport like hockey and any sport for that matter. Everybody can take a lesson from what Evander Kane is saying here and any other athlete that is trying to share that this injustice cannot be allowed anymore. George Floyd and all of the other people who came before him who were in his position, either literally or figuratively, we all remember them. It cannot continue. This has to be it. We can't let this go on. And Dallas, I want to ask you, is there anything 
that the NHL or even any sports league for that matter that maybe they could do to further the development of diversity across their league. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a crazy time in the world right now, Alex. It's it was really nice to see the NHL players come out on social media and just in the news and and speak out for the first time and really come out with emotional and honestly fair points that have really been able to touch a lot of people in this really scary time in the world. In terms of the NHL, I know that some of the teams, I actually I should say all of the teams have come out and they, they say that they're not going to stand for anything like that. Um, it, it's, it's just really nice to see that it's a start and I, I, I'm not 100% sure on what the NHL can do to further de- the, the development. I think just being more aware and making sure that the game is a safe place to play for everyone at a younger age um that's just kind of the number one thing that they can do that's it's honestly a baby step process but i i know that they're on the right path and it was really nice to see them come out the nhl teams uh come out and speak about this and say that they're not going to take anything like this i'm sure there's been situations at games where they've had to handle certain situations and i i'm all for that and i i all i know is that hockey is for everyone and the more that it's like, the more that it's for everyone, the better. And the more that it's safe for everyone to enjoy, the better. And it's great to see these athletes come out and speak out and say how they truly feel. And it's it's really something that I feel pretty passionate about, that hockey is for everyone. And I know that the NHL players in the league feel the same way. And I know it's it might start with them, that they have to do something as an individual and through their organizations to try and and further the awareness and to teach because they're they're celebrities and people look up to, to them and the more that they can do i think the better for society those are awesome points dallas i really hope that some of those points that you mentioned could maybe be considered by the national hockey league in all leagues We definitely need to be talking more about diversity. It's so important. Hopefully the NHL and all leagues can find ways to to continue to promote diversity so that sports and all industries are promoting positive change for the world. I want to thank Dallas for joining me today on episode two of Flood the Ice. Dallas, any final thoughts from you? Well, it was an honor for you to have me on the show, Alex. Uh, I really enjoyed talking hockey with you, and I'm really looking forward to how the NHL is going to be able to finish off this season. And I'm really curious to see how the Stanley Cup is going to get awarded in possibly an empty arena. I think there's going to be lots of entertainment value in this year's playoffs, and I'm maybe, just maybe, the 2014 playoff format becomes a full-time thing. We'll wait and see on that one, though. Well, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today, Dallas. And for everyone listening, thank you for taking part in our show. This has been spectacular. We will be back for a third episode next week. But that pretty much wraps up the show today. If you want to stay in the know, be sure to follow at Flood Nation Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So long for now, and we'll see you next week. Stay safe.